Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to gather, to worship, to be with each other, to learn from you and to encourage each other in this journey of faith. Lord, may your Holy Spirit open up our hearts and minds to what it means to be your disciples, to be your Christians in this world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are and for what you've done for us. May that rub off on us and help others to know that they are loved by you too. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Living a faith that makes a difference to others. That's our focus for today, to think about what does it mean for our faith to make a difference, not just for ourselves but also for others. Verse 16 of today's reading, Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others. that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There was once a conversation between two Christians after work, two gentlemen after work, they were having coffee, and one of them, one of them um, was quite upset about the church service and the sermon, and he said, I didn't really appreciate didn't really appreciate what pastor said today, to let your light shine so others see it. That's like boasting. We shouldn't be doing it. You know, people shouldn't be focused on us. In fact, my faith is just about me and God, making sure that I've got a good relationship with God so I get to heaven and I don't worry about anything else or anyone else. It's just about me. Well, the other gentleman had a bit more grace in the way he responded. He said, well, do you think... Jesus encourages us just to have a faith that focuses on ourselves, that focuses on just us, or is it more than that? Because when I look at the scriptures, what I see is God's encouragement is to live a life of loving God and loving others, as he says in the greatest commandment. And I also see Jesus being concerned for other people. And in fact, boasting's not a bad thing, it's just we've got to make sure we don't boast about ourselves But in fact, we boast about Christ. We point people to Christ because of the good things that we do. You see, our faith is not just for us. It's for the benefit and blessing of others. Luther um, termed it this way. um, God doesn't need your love, but the world does. Now, we're called to love God and love others. And what Luther was explaining, he said... And we can easily fall into this trap that my faith is just about me and God. And therefore, I, I have this faith that just thinks about what I need and what I want. And I come to church just for myself because Jesus rubs off on us. So I want you to think about this. How does your faith in Jesus and what he gives you affect your relationship with others? How does your faith in Jesus and what he gives you affect your relationship with others. Earlier this week I was reading some stuff about, um, you know, someone had made this comment and says, I don't want to be religious. And occasionally I get that, is people say, oh, we don't, you know, I'll get people say, can you do a funeral? I've got one this week. And, and amongst the things, is, oh, we don't want it too religious. And often behind that is this perception that God is about demanding something from us. It's about us having to do heaps of stuff. 
And often it's missing actually the key message of God, which is this message of grace. That what God gives us, the eternal life that he gives us through his death and resurrection on the cross. And so I encourage you to think about this. How does your faith in Jesus and what he gives you affect your relationship with others? Let's dive a bit deeper. We're not going to go into the whole of the text today. We're going to actually focus a lot on the salt aspect of it. But today Jesus says something very profound. You remember his disciples at the moment, you know, where we are in the reading, he's called his disciples. We had two weeks of Jesus calling disciples. Then we had the Beatitudes, which Jesus says, she kind of flips everything around and and shares with us how uh, Christian life is different. And now he says, now I, I say this is like the orientation program for the disciples and for us. He reveals something. Now, this is early and in their ministry, and this is why it's important, I'm, I'm emphasising this, is Jesus reveals to us who we are. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He doesn't say, you will be, or once you pl- complete this exam, or once you go through an interview, or once you be a Christian for X number of years, you will be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. He's saying you are right now to the disciples and he says that to you, that you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. And we are simply because of our relationship with Jesus, which affects us. I grew up in a a country town which was quite warm in summer and around this time of the year when we went to school and I remember as a kid my mum would pack my lunch and in a plastic container and sometimes I'd have a sandwich, a salami sandwich and other stuff with a banana in it. And have a guess what happened by about lunchtime. Everything tasted like banana. Everything. The banana rubbed off on everything, right? Could you imagine eating a banana, a salami tasting banana, banana tasting salami, Right? Everything was like that, right? And that's how it's meant to be for our relationship with Jesus. Jesus should be rubbing off on us, should be affecting who we are. And this is why we keep encouraging people to have a a closer, deeper relationship with Jesus through Bible study, through word, through being part of the community, through worshipping. Because every time, it's not Jesus gives you a kind of a test and kind of everything, but the more you spend with him. And you'll notice the way Jesus works with his disciples. Remember, he only had three years, but with his disciples, he walked around with them. They were spending time with him and he rubbed off on them. And that's why we can be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It says something about Jesus' ministry. It says that we can, can, we can go out and be his salt. We can go out and be his light, whether we're a Christian that's one day or a Christian that's been a Christian for a whole life. And in fact, sometimes Christians who say they've been a Christian for a whole life struggle with this because they're more concerned about doing, saying, getting everything right rather than just living with people and reflecting Jesus. And so another question for you to think about is, what does it mean for you to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world every day, everywhere you go? Not just a Christian at this point, today, this time, but a Christian 
this afternoon, the Christian on Monday, the Christian on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The Christian during good times, when it's easy, when you like the people you're around. And a Christian when you're amongst difficult situations, when you're facing conflict or problems. What does it mean for you to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world every day? Let's have a look at salt in the scriptures. If Jesus says we're the salt of the earth, the best way to understand what he means by salt is to look more deeply in the scriptures. We can come up with all the scientific stuff that's out there and some of it applies, but it's better off to come back to the scriptures when he uses this term, this picture of being the salt of the earth. First thing is to to keep in mind in the scriptures that on two occasions in the Old Testament, this talked about a covenant of salt. A covenant is agreement that God has or a promise that God has. And there's this covenant of salt, the covenant of salt to the Aaronaic priests. There's a covenant of salt. And there's a covenant of salt um, when it talks about David, that God has a covenant of salt with him. And one of the implications of that is that God has this ongoing lasting promise, you know, this ongoing lasting promise. I don't know if you watch any of those shows like The Pickers. One time I was watching one of the, I think it was The Pickers, and they'd gone in into this old barn and found this old salt and they dipped their finger in and said, it still tastes like salt. And they reckon it was at least 100 years old, right? So... That this long-lasting thing, so this long-lasting aspect that God has with us, this promise that God has with us, and we'll talk a little bit in a moment the implication of that. You'll see that with throughout the Old Testament in particular, salt is used on sacrifices and dedications, that before people were to bring their sacrifice to the altar, they are encouraged to sprinkle it with salt. What's that about? Does God need a bit of flavour? Or is it something else? It's a reminder of the people. Whenever God asks us to do something, it's more about what is helping us than anything else. It's a reminder of the people that God has this long-lasting promise, right? That this sacrifice is special and will bring about something good. Now, not salt is not always good. Um, you'll see also in the Old Testament and, and some other aspects of the New Testament, you see salt can cause death and infertility. Right? Probably the most well-known story that we have of salt. If I said to you, tell me a story that you know of salt in the Bible, many of you would think of Lot's wife. Right? Too much salt can bring death. Right? And there's, this, there's a number of occasions, and one in the Old Testament where they talk about um, this land is going to be sprinkled with salt because it's disobedient. Right? And there'll no there'll be no life in that place. So salt can also bring death. However, it also, and this is the, the focus of what Jesus is encouraging today, is that salt can flavour and change things for good. There's another story in the Old Testament where there's this town that everything's flourishing except they've got one problem. And that problem is the water is bad. The water is, says bracken and bad. Um, and God encourages the people to put salt in the water and it becomes good. It purifies the water. There's often a, um, the other indication with salt in the Old Testament is it's used for cleansing and for renewing and for new. Um, there's a discussion at one stage about a babe, newborn baby should be cleansed with salt, should rub with salt. And then we come to Jesus 
And Jesus says, salt is good. Is there anyone here who's going to tell Jesus he's wrong? Any dietitian that's going to confront Jesus and say, you're wrong? Remember, Jesus is talking about the goodness of salt. You know, there's good and bad. Salt can, be, can bring death and good. But he says salt is good. So that's the starting point, is salt is good. So what's he on about? What's he on about in today's reading? What's he on about in this idea that you are the salt of the world? Well, if we go a bit further, we also see that Jesus says, if you aren't salty, you are useless. Now we hear it in... This story is um, shared in three of the Gospels and all of them say this, if you're lacking flavour, if you're lacking God's flavour in the world, you are useless. And then lastly, if we want to see how the New Testament, the early church talked about salt, we saw that in our opening words from Colossians where seasoned with salt equals conversations full of grace. Seasoned with salt are about conversations full of grace. Think about my story about the banana in the lunchbox. Because of our relationship with Jesus, we are called to be people who are full of grace, have conversations full of grace, treat people with grace, God's grace, grace that has come to us. That's not always easy. That's not always easy because we often have other agendas. We've got other thoughts. We, we Sometimes people don't treat us well. But I encourage you to think about this our concept that God has seasoned you with his grace and love and he encourages you to be a person where that is your main flavour in the world. What does it mean to be a person of grace and love? Does it mean to be a person who gets walked over? But it also means to be a person who treats others, even those we disagree with, with grace and love. So here's a bit of a thought. If Jesus is saying we're the salt of the world, and with those, those Bible references in mind, let's think about this. We are, God, we are, God's, we are God's always loved people. God always loves us. God never gives up on loving us. No matter how far away we may or how close we may be to God, he continually wants to love us. His love is not dependent, like a human love, on what we do. His love is consistent to be always loving us. It's this un, his promise he has made to us, promise he has made to the world that he will love all people. It doesn't mean all people are going to benefit from his love because some people will reject his love. Some people will, don't want to trust in Jesus' grace and forgiveness, what he's done on the cross for eternal life. Some people don't want to listen to God, but it doesn't mean God doesn't stop loving them, doesn't persevere with that love. Secondly, we will be dying to old ways and new ways of life because of Jesus. As we interact with Jesus, there'll be things that you will let go of. Now, I've met with people and I've talked to people who share how because they've got closer to Jesus, because they've got closer in a relationship with Jesus, and in fact, someone will say they actually recognise how close Jesus is to them, certain habits in their life they've stopped or let go of. And it hasn't been hard because it's what God has done with them. Many years ago, I talked to an alcoholic he says, I'm still an alcohol, but alcoholic, but I don't drink. 
but I just susceptible to it. And he said, it all changed because of my relationship with Jesus. I sat there um, and realised God's love and I asked him to help me. But because it wasn't about me, it was about letting go of that and the need for that. And so, like salt will kill certain things, there'll be certain things in our life that it will die. We are flavoured by God's grace. We are cleansed by Jesus. And we are people with a good purpose, a purpose to go and live in the world with a purpose that God has given us to help others, to connect with others, to make sure others have a chance of experiencing and knowing God's grace and love. Because we are affected and infected by Jesus, we are to bring God, bring Jesus' grace flavour flavor to the people we interact with. And that's all people. Not just one or two, but all. And you can do it in major ways, and we're going to hear of a story in a moment where a family does it in a major way, very significant, a high-profile way. You can also do it in small ways, even a way you respond to something minor that might not be so good. This is, says, this is Jesus saying, this is who you are, this is who we're meant to be. Now, our problem is we don't always get it. We don't always live that out. Sometimes we choose to live another flavour. Okay? However, God says, you can live this. Trust me. Walk with Jesus and he will change us. And it's a reminder that our faith is not just for ourselves. It is not meant to be a flavour of... It is meant to be a flavour of Jesus to others, connecting them to Jesus who gives us eternal life by way of grace. Some people are very much focused on the God and me relationship and we do need to... Keep that in mind, to have that focus of God and me. But that's where they limit it. And often that ends up in a very legalistic approach of life, you know, or very selfish. It's what I like, it's what I want, this is what I think is important. Rather than remember that we're here as a community to help each other connect with God and his flavour of grace. Quite a significant story in this. One, a family who has been the salt of Jesus in the world in the last number of years has been the Abdallah family. Now, I've shared this story a number of times, but this last week, um, their foundation, I Forgive Foundation, had their I Forgive Week occurring. Now, you may or may not know this story, but short, just in short, if you don't know the story, the Abdallah family, three of their children, along with another child, were going down the road, off on the footpath, basically, um, to get ice cream down the shops. And a drunken, drug-induced gentleman drove off the road and killed them. Very shortly after that happened, the Abdallah family came out and said they forgive him. And their forgiveness comes in contrary. And people were amazed. The media picked this up quite quickly. Were amazed. How could you forgive him? Well, it comes back to their faith. They are um, 
Lebanese Catholic Christians. And one of the underlying passages on their webpage is this. The reason for their forgiveness is this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You see, and I encourage you, if you want to explore the whole area of forgiveness, they don't say forgiveness is about forgetting. They don't say about it's easy. They don't think it's an overnight thing, but it's a thing that is constantly, they're constantly living out this forgiveness. And I encourage you to read their story and how they go about it. There's a couple of videos on their webpage. But there's this idea that they forgive. now, And their forgiveness, they share some of the benefits of it. You know, some of the benefits of forgiveness is that you're not holding on to bitterness. You're not letting your life be filled with anger. And you're not being a person who just, everything is seen through that lens of, I must get justice and that person must rot. But rather, you see that person as somebody who also needs God's grace and love. But ultimately, one of the things they do share, and they share this quite openly, is that this forgiveness comes because God forgives them. They have this focus, and so they be the salt. They're very high profile. It's a very challenging thing. And a number of people would say, how can they do that? They don't force everyone to do it, but they encourage. And that's one way, very high profile of people being God's salt in the world. However, you will have many opportunities to be God's salt in the world. Most of them won't be anywhere near as high profile or challenging as this. Some of them will be in times when you've succeeded and done well. Think about what it means to be graceful in those situations, to reflect God's grace and love, to help others know that where you are is because of what God has given you. Then you have other occasions where it could be difficult, like me driving back from Redeemer and someone decides they're going to play what I call, let's change the lanes every 10 seconds and cut in front of you. And you think, Ugh. well, my, my prompting from this sermon was like, hmm, maybe there's some reason they're in a hurry, right? Rather than how dare they do that. It's not always easy, but it could be. We are called to have a faith that makes a difference. A difference to the lives of others. But it's not just a faith to be nice. Some people think, oh, I've got to be a Christian. I've just got to be nice. I don't want to tell them about Jesus because that might put them off. That's not what Jesus is saying here. This is a faith that says, I'm going to be graceful, but I'm actually going to reflect who Jesus is and be clear that this is because of Jesus, like the Abdallah family. You know, some people say, look, I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to do much about faith with my family because that might offend them. But our encouragement from Jesus is to share who he is and what he does as he says at the end, what it says in verse 16, so they may glorify our Father in heaven. So what does this mean for us as we live our faith? Well, the first thing is, if we're going to live this faith that reflects Jesus, that is the flavour of Jesus, every day can I encourage you to live with God's grace for you as the main theme of who you are. 
that God loves you and forgives you no matter what's happened in your life, no matter what you've done. Can I encourage you to always remember that you are a loved and forgiven person of God? Sometimes we talk about that going back to our baptism, thinking about, oh, that's how where God accepts us. Can I encourage you to think that if you think, ah, oh, I haven't quite lived up to God's expectations or I stuffed up this week, that God still loves you. And it's because of what Jesus has done for you that you have a future. Secondly, live with a focus of faith that Jesus is for you, but not just for you. Live with a focus of faith that your faith is also about blessing and benefiting others, about helping all those around us to know about grace and love. Now, I can tell you it's far easy, and you probably know this or realise this, but it's far easier to treat somebody with grace when they treat you with grace, isn't it? And that's good. But what about when somebody doesn't treat you with grace? Think about what it might mean to flavour those situations with God's love and grace. And thirdly, live a life of flavouring people's lives with the grace of Jesus in all situations. Letting them know that they are loved by God no matter what. Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is a challenge for us, but it's an encouragement. And the good news is, it happens because of our relationship with Jesus, that we are the light of the world, we are the salt of the earth. Not that we have to earn, not that we earn it, but because of our relationship with Jesus, this is where our life is led. May you be thankful for the people in your life who were the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And may you bring that light and salt and that flavour of grace so others join us with Jesus. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful gift you give us. The gift of life with you and the gift of life with others. Lord, as we live out this life, may your flavour of love and grace penetrate the world. May it affect others as we share with them through both what we say and do and how we say and do things. Loving Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the God of grace and that you have seasoned our lives with your grace. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.